Amen. Thank you. Let's join together in prayer this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this text and the powerful truth that it has to encourage us to strengthen our lives. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be devoted to you in a deeper way this year. I ask that you would help us to understand this biblical truth. Lord, as last week we looked at the subject of biblical love, and as we examine this topic in a deeper way this week, I pray that you would help us to understand what you expect us to do, and Lord, how you want us to live our lives transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray these things all in Christ's name. Amen. Matthew 5 is a wonderful passage, and Jesus is challenging the believers and those who are following after him. He says, ye have heard that it hath been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor, and what did he say? And hate thy enemy. Wow. Hey, isn't that easy? And by the way, just, that Tuesday's an important day. You say, Pastor, I don't like to vote. There's going to be a lot of contention about Tuesday, no matter what opinion you may stand on. But as a Christian, I believe it's important to exercise our freedom while we still have it. And this election is, is quite key. I had a, a Christian friend who um, posted something this week about who they voted for, and they were very proud of their freedom to vote for that candidate. And you know what? If you're a professing Christian, voting for a candidate that's going to take away your freedom to worship God, that's going to take away the freedom and the life of an unborn child. I mean, I can't imagine voting for that. Um, but they were, they were bold about it, and they were saying, you know what, I'm so glad I, I got to vote. And really, they said, I'm voting because I'm mad at the other candidate. <laughs> All right? So I'm going to vote for one that can't think straight because I'm mad at the other one who can think straight. And uh, what a mess. And I believe in this day... No matter which side you say, Pastor, if I vote on some side or the other, it doesn't matter to you. Look, you vote for conscience, okay? But uh, when, as a Christian, I do believe we should exercise our freedom. You say, I don't want to, and I got some Christian friends who just don't want to vote. Uh, they're just upset about the whole thing, and they say, I don't want to vote for anybody. Okay, You're, you have the freedom to do that, okay? But as a Christian, I believe if we love God, we'll vote for those who love his church and who will respect his church. Um, even if they're... Uh, they got a lot of other flaws, okay? When you read the book, and there's a book that my wife and I are reading called When a Nation Forgets God, and it's about how Germany was overturned. When a nation forgets God, and by the way, uh, they've accused Donald Trump of being like Hitler when they, in fact, are, the, are coming in slyly like Hitler, about ready to try to take over the nation, about ready to try to remove all of our freedoms and like some places in California, uh, if your business does not have a sign with a fist up in the window, your windows will be smashed in. All right? Uh, you have to stand on one side or you will not, there's no freedom given. And we live in this day in which there's a lot of tension. There's a lot of struggle. There's, it's difficult to be a loving person as a Christian. You say, well, how should, should I be loving no matter what happens? Absolutely. As a Christian, we should demonstrate Christ-like love no matter what happens. And we should love even those who we may disagree with. He says, thou shalt love, uh, you've heard that it has been said, love thy neighbor and hate thy enemy, but I say unto you, love your, he says, enemies, and bless them, he says, that curse you, and do good to them that hate you. This week, people have been very hateful on the internet, and they've said things, if you vote for Donald Trump, I hope you all die, they said. 
well, what, what a wonderful thing to say to somebody, okay? That's pretty hateful, okay? And uh, we live in a, a world filled with hate and anger. And I realize it's been incited by both sides. My friends, in the church, when we come to the church, and I want to focus back on that now that I got off politics, okay? We get back to the text. He says, bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And he says, pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. As a Christian worshiping God in the state of New York or in the state of California right now, it may be hard to have an attitude of blessing towards some people in our lives, some people that affect the decisions we make. But Jesus says we are to pray for them which despitefully use you, he says, and persecute you, that ye may be, he says, children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain, he says, on the just and the unjust. Aren't you thankful that God still sends rain? Even when we, if we'll be honest, there are times in our life where we've wandered from God. If we're honest, there's times when we've wandered from God. But didn't God still give you uh, work? Didn't God still give you a paycheck? Didn't God still give you um, green grass in your yard? Unless you're in some place that was had drought, okay? We have been blessed. We have been given wonderful things from God. And often even when we wandered from the Lord, He gave us love. It, the love here in our text goes far before, beyond the ordinary love. And this morning, I want to speak to you on this subject of, you're gonna, this is gonna catch, the title's going to catch you off guard, a strange kind of love. A strange kind of love, you think. A strange kind of love, yes. This is a strange kind of love. A strange kind of love. Look, if you would, in Deuteronomy, because this is supported in the Old Testament, Moses supported this back in Deuteronomy chapter 10 in verse 19. 10 in verse 19. <clears throat> and he says, this applies directly to us, to every person. It applies to every Christian in the church. It applies to all of our life. It applies to our marriages, our homes. It applies to those who live around us. Deuteronomy 10, verse 19. Actually, let's start back in verse 17. He says, For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, a great God, a mighty and a terrible, which regardeth not persons nor taketh reward. He doth execute the judgment of the fatherless and the widow and loveth the stranger in giving him food and raiment. How does the Lord love the stranger? Giving him what? Two things, tell me. Food and raiment. Okay, he gives them food and raiment. The stranger. He says, Love ye therefore the stranger, for ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. Now, in the biblical time period, all right, they were given land by inheritance. Wouldn't that be great if you didn't have to buy your property in order to live in your house? I mean, you just were given the land by inheritance and you didn't have property taxes on it. That would be awesome, okay? They were given their land by inheritance. Now, there were strangers that would come and dwell among them, the surrounding people. And those people, the land would not naturally belong to them. All right? They had to work as slaves. They had to work as servants. And they would often be poor, but they wanted to live among the people of God. And here, Moses is telling them what God wants them to do. He says, I want you to love that stranger that's among you, the person that doesn't look like you, 
the person that uh, comes from a different culture than you, and he says, I want you to love them, the person who doesn't have the same property as you, the person who's not uh, legitimately related to you uh, through blood, he says, I want you to love them. He says, love ye therefore the stranger, for ye were strangers, he says, in the land of Egypt. The children of Israel for 400 years live in a place in which they're the strangers and they multiply and God blesses them. By the way, remember the word multiply because we're getting there later on. They multiply, God blesses them, God increases them as they're in a strange land. And he says, don't you forget, you were a stranger at one point in time, so when you're in this land and it's all yours, you've conquered the people that are there. They were going to go in and conquer and kill all the other people, and they were going to come in and inherit the land. That's a whole other subject. You say, is God for killing? There is something called national war, and God is for it when it is to cleanse out the sin in the land so that his people could live in the land. Sadly, though, his people forsook him and went, by, went back to the way of strangers. He says, love ye therefore, though, the stranger. I believe biblical love keeps us together. Biblical love enables us to grow. It enables us to reach the world around us with the living word of God. This couple, Daniel and his wife Rachel, have love for people that honestly, I've I've worked with Hispanics, uh, and Hispanics are wonderful people. But my friend, they don't think like you do. Okay, Their culture is completely different. The way in which they interact, um, the, the, whole, the whole thing is just completely different. And there's a lot of struggles that when you pastor people who are completely different than you, there's a lot of struggles that you have. And he's going to be dealing with those things. And he's going to be loving some strangers, him and his wife. She's going to be away from her family. And they're going to be ministering to these people, loving some strangers. See, biblical love enables us to grow. And enables us to reach the world with the word of God. A strong church learns to love strangers and the people that don't love us. In this hypersensitive generation, we need biblical love. And I tell you, it is the, the, word, on, the word for 2020 is overly sensitive. Okay, that is, that is the phrase for 2020, overly sensitive. We have an overly sensitive generation. I mean, people are so sensitive, my friend. You can say something and they'll just completely misunderstand you and never, ever talk to you again. And it could have been just like two words that you came out and went out of your mouth. I mean, we live in a very, very sensitive generation. This kind of love suffers long, like 1 Corinthians says. It does not envy. It is kind. We're going to get into that later on in the weeks that come. Because God's been teaching me a lot about this subject that I'm learning. I hope you're learning. I hope you're growing. Often as Christians, you know what, we get to a place where we kind of are in the motions, to be honest, and we kind of go through the motions, but there's no growth around us, there's no growth within us, and we need the help of God, and I believe love is key in all of this, that we understand that when I expand and step out of my comfort zone in love and have a strange kind of love, it actually is where I begin to grow. God's calling us to a new kind of love. You say, what kind of love is this? I want you to think for a second about married couples, okay? Married couples can be a really good example of healthy love, or they can be a really poor example of what dysfunctional love is like. Um, Maybe you've had the privilege to be in the presence of a married couple, and they'll be like this. 
You're talking to the husband and the wife is talking over you the whole time. Or you're talking to the wife and the husband's talking over her the whole time. And you can't have a conversation. You can't, you're trying to listen to both of them. You're trying to listen to both of them at the same time. I'm like, would you all just, I, I want to hear both of your stories. Could you get pause for two seconds and let the other one talk? Nope. Brrr, like machine guns, okay? Uh, that's a dysfunctional kind of love. All right? Selfishness, really what it is. It's observant on the outside like that. A couple that can't spend time together because they irritate each other. All right? Uh, maybe, maybe and this happens, I think, the more mature we get, okay? Uh, sometimes the husband has his room, the wife has her room, and they sit in their little rooms. The whole, they just live in two separate rooms, man, and they got their lives, okay? He's got his shows he watches on his TV. She's got her shows, and they holler at each other, all right? And, yes, they've been married, bless God, for 60 years, but they ain't got any love, okay? I mean, it's just dysfunctional, okay? Uh, the, the relationship has broken down. You look at that, and you say, that is ridiculous, okay? And we would look at a situation like that and say, I can't believe y'all just exist. You're just existing. A couple that's always bashing their mate to their friends. Hmm. If we be honest, those problems aren't just limited to married couples. If we be honest, every relationship needs biblical love, a strange kind of love, and we can kind of become estranged from people. We can make them our stranger, and you know what? Uh, if we be honest, kind of everybody else is a little bit more strange than we are, okay? Um, we're all a little bit strange to one another. In some ways, you know what you say, that, that personality trait is kind of quirky, it's kind of different, and uh, they're kind of eccentric or whatever, and if we be honest, we can really pick about people about the same things we struggle with, okay? And we can struggle loving people for the same problems we have, and... Jesus here wants us to understand this truth. And he was telling Moses that the Lord was speaking to Moses. The Lord Jehovah was speaking to Moses and saying to him, Hey, Moses, this is what you need to tell the people of God. How, what should you do? He says, I want you to love the stranger. I want you to give him food and raiment, even the people you don't like. That's what Matthew's teaching us. Not love it. He says, don't just love those who love you. Give love to those who don't love you, those who aren't kind to you, those who are mean. If we be honest, people are weird, people are strange, people are frustrating, people are confusing, and complicated. All right? How often? They actually started doing this thing, for those of you who are on Facebook, uh, they started doing this years ago where people could put their relationship status, and one of the things was complicated. How's your relationship? Complicated, all right? I mean, that says it all, okay? I'm struggling with love, okay? Right there, complicated. Um, and if, if we be honest, sometimes a lot of our relationships are complicated. And uh, sometimes around the people of God, we get in the relationships a little complicated. And, and we struggle, and it gets a little complicated. See, loving people involves loving those we don't know very well, and it takes us out of our comfort zone. Look, if you would, in this text at how the Lord says He is the God of gods in verse 17. The Lord of lords. He is great. He is mighty. He is terrible. That doesn't mean He's awful. But speaking of His might and His greatness and His magnificence, He says, He regards not, He says, which regardeth not persons nor taketh reward. So look, you can't bribe him like a politician. You can't bribe God. I thank God for that, okay? He doesn't give more regard to the millionaire that drops in a couple hundred thousand to God than he does to the one who gives two cents, okay? He regardeth not uh, man based upon money, based upon things. 
It doesn't take a reward. It says he doth execute judgment. I thank God he is just. He is fair. He is honest. He is true. And see, look, when you love somebody, you're honest and fair and true. And that means also that you punish. Okay? And so because God is honest and fair and true, you say, how can God be love? Look, a loving God has to also be a just God that executes judgment on those who reject him. Otherwise, he is not a just king because if he allows tyranny, my friend, his kingdom will be overthrown. And the Lord knows this. And he is the great example of love. He executes judgment of the fatherless. He takes care of the fatherless. Thank God for that. He takes care of the widow. And he loves, he says, the stranger in giving him food and raiment. Now, in biblical culture, to be a widow was to me, would mean that you would have nothing. Today in our culture, sometimes that is the case, but often widows are very well taken care of, and the Bible does deal with that. It says, she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. And oftentimes in our culture, a widow will actually sometimes can be very wealthy and, and live in pleasure and be dead while she's living, okay? So he speaks of both issues. The Bible addresses both subjects. There are those who are poor, and those who are widows indeed. There are others who are well taken care of. And so the Bible addresses both topics. In this passage, she is dealing with the widow who is penniless, okay, who has nothing. And it says that she, uh, we are to take care of her. We are to seek to meet her needs. And we are to love, he says, the stranger. So the one that's among us that hasn't yet been able to settle in, hasn't yet been able to get a job because maybe they are different. Love, he says, therefore the stranger for ye were strangers. God will allow us, it's church, God will allow us to go through hard times to purify our motives. God allows us to go through hard times to purify our motives. The diamond is made shiny. It is made pure through going through pressure. Metal is purified by going under pressure. And you know what? The Christian is purified by going through pressure. And sometimes even a person who does not know Christ, God will send pressure into their life to draw them to a point where they will turn and put their faith in Jesus Christ. That might be you this morning. You have never yet turned and put your faith in Christ. And God will allow us to go through hard times to purify our motives. It is possible to keep doing the right thing, but if we'll be honest, with impure motives. With impure motives. We can be motivated out of, get this, out of shame, out of guilt, out of fear, out of a sense of obligation. And church, if we'll be honest, when we go through difficult times, okay, and I believe most churches right now are going through difficult times, we can start to do things out of guilt, shame, fear, and we can do it out of a sense of obligation instead of out of love, and we actually, we can tell ourselves, you know, I, I just love, but there's no love flowing in, in our veins, okay? We're doing it out of sense of obligation. We really love what we do without being asked to do. We love, we love what we do with nobody forcing us to do. That's what we truly love, okay? And we sometimes will convince ourselves that we love when our love really is more out of a sense of guilt, shame, and obligation. In the trials and misunderstandings, it is a time where sometimes we can lose, lose or we can weaken our biblical love if we're not careful. 
We become hardened in our flesh. We become resilient to troubles. And you know, we say, you know what, I was hurt before. I'm not going to let anybody ever come in, back in my life again. I don't want anybody to hurt me again. I opened my heart one time. I'm not going to open my heart again. My wife and I read a story of a, a gentleman this morning. And uh, we read a testimony of the man who made Cruden's Concordance. The Concordance of the Bible. And uh, maybe you haven't heard of him. Uh, but this man was used by God to help in a great way. He was a, a Christian. He actually died on his knees praying. That's how he died. But you know what? I mean, the man was brilliant. He was brilliant in making the concordance. You have to really have, have a desire to understand and study out all those words and organize the whole Bible like that. That takes a lot of work. This guy did it all. But you know what he struggled with? He struggled with mental problems related to love. He, he had a girl that he really loved and that relationship fell apart. And when that relationship fell apart, it threw him into such a mental state of despair that he was actually put in a mental asylum. And then he, he came out of that and he, he made that concordance and his, he actually had a, a business that was kind of thriving, selling books. And through making that concordance, he actually became a pauper again, lost, lost his money. Uh, it, it didn't sell well and he actually... Uh, Lost everything. And then he, he got into another relationship and the relationship was going well, but that relationship fell apart. And when that relationship fell apart and he sensed his broken heart because of a lack of love, uh, feeling like that girl had let him down, he once again was put into a mental asylum. And that man spent his life like that. And you say, anybody that's in a mental asylum, how could God use them? He was used by God to, to, to uh, write this concordance and to provide many tools to help us with studying the Bible. And you say, how God can use anybody, my friend. And God can use anybody. And today we have a culture of people who have mental disorders, many of which are simply uh, the doctor needed a reason to write a prescription for a pill. Uh, by the way, you realize they get a big kickback when they write those prescriptions. And uh, some disorders are, are genuinely deep. Other disorders are more on the surface level today. And, and whatever those needs are, you might say, God couldn't use me. God used this man as he went through those hard times. And God used those hard times to purify his motives. He died on his knees praying. What a way to, let, what a way to, to end your life. Instead of dying on his knees, uh, dying, dying in his bed, having self-pity, he died on his knees praying for others. God wants us to purify our motives. You say, how can he do that? Look, if you would, in Deuteronomy chapter, we're in chapter 10, turn to chapter 13 with me, if you would, verse 3. Um, Deuteronomy, he gives the test of false prophets. Now, would we be honest, church, today? There are a few false prophets today. Would you be honest? If you, be, if you believe there's a few false prophets today, would you say amen? amen. Okay. Um, and to put it in the words of Kanye West, they have a lot of sauce and no meat. Okay. Uh, and so it's a lot, of, a lot of fluffy stuff, but there's no meat. There's no word. Okay. The word is closed during the message. We're not actually going to the passages. We're not actually seeing what God says in regards to the, to the message. Uh, it's just sweet, swelling words that tickle our ears. He says, Thou shalt not hearken unto the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God proveth you to know whether ye will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. My friend, the easiest thing to do is to tell everybody what they want to hear. Okay? Um, 
And by the way, I can think of 20 people right now that if all I told them was, you're great, you're good, you're great, you're good, they would still be here in church, okay? If I just say, you're great, you're good, you're awesome, you're wonderful, you're just the most amazing person ever, and, and you know what, uh, God, just, you, just need to, you just need to be full of love. And you, we, we, if I was to teach something like that and to simply only give the fluff and not give the meat, um, a lot, there would be a lot more people, you say, that would come in. And that's often what happens with um, large, sometimes large things, where there's a prophet that's actually sometimes speaking false things. There sometimes are large ministries speaking the truth. But often, there's a prophet speaking false things. He says, for the Lord your God proveth you to know whether ye will, he says what? Love the Lord your God. With all, he says, your heart and with all your soul. Man, look, when you ain't got any fluff on the outside... You don't have all the frilly things and you still love God. That proves the deepness of your love. God will allow us to go through these hard times to purify our motives. To purify our motives. Also, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 6. Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 6. See, you all don't have to worry about your kids. Mine are quite human, okay? Um, mine are quite human. And uh, um, they go through these stages, you know, and... Uh, and you work on it every day, and you pray and ask God to give them victory uh, with their flesh. Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 6. And the Lord your God, he says, will circumcise thy heart, and the heart of thy seed, to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, that thou mayest live. He says God's going to cut away from your heart anything that's extra that doesn't need to be there. That's a painful time. God wants to cut away from our hearts what doesn't belong there. He will circumcise thine heart and the heart of thy seed. See, God wants our whole, our, our family, our children to be devoted to him. He wants us to be devoted to him. He says, I'm going to cut away those things. I'm going to circumcise your heart. Cut away from your heart what doesn't belong, the extra. And he says, I'm going to take it away. So that you can do what? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. And that thou mayest, he says, live. So God will allow us to go through hard times to purify our motives. He's going to cut away the parts in our life that we don't need to have so that we can be pure and so that we can be usable for God. He'll take away things. Sometimes we wonder, say, why did God take that job from me? Why did God take that person from me? Often to purify our motives, to enable us to reach out in greater ways to purify the motive of our love. And this is a time where God is purifying all of our motives. He's saying, what's your motive? Why are you here? What are you doing? How's your walk with God? Purifying our walk with God. Why? Because he wants to use us in a greater way. He wants us to have a strange kind of love. A different kind of love. Look, secondly, this morning, our love will cause us to multiply and flourish. Look, if you would, in verse 16 of the text we were just in, Deuteronomy 30. Look in verse 16. In that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that thou mayest, he says, live and, look at the next word, multiply. Remember I spoke to you about that a while back in the message. Children of Israel multiplied in a strange land. They were servants. They were building the pyramids, and you say, kind of a pointless job. They're dying off there, 400 years. But they multiplied. And God was going to send them out by the hand of Moses into the wilderness, into the promised land. And God was going to use them in a great way. And he's saying here, 
if you will obey, he says, what I command thee this day, if you will do what, he says, to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments and his statutes. It's a strange kind of love because we all struggle with keeping all of God's commandments, his statutes, and his judgments, keeping what God wants us to do. We can explain away whatever it is we want to do. He says, if you'll love me, you'll, you'll walk in my ways, you'll keep my commandments. He says, I'll bless you. He says, you'll live. He says, and you will be multiplied. That is a great promise. And today, I want to encourage you to take that promise to the bank. All right? You say, I just wish that what I do for God would be multiplied. Here's the key. Here's the key. The key is in this text. He says, if you'll love the Lord thy God, you're going to live and multiply. It's a promise. It's a promise given to the people of Israel, but it applies to us today. If you will love me, the Lord says, obey my statutes, keep my ordinances. And I believe often today, the love is not too deep, okay? And if we be honest, it's like in the book of Revelation where we've lost the first love, and it's just a type of love, but it's not the deep love. It's not the strange love that loves the stranger that's different than anybody else who says, I'm going to love somebody, even if they don't love me back, I'm going to love my enemies, Matthew 5. I'm going to give to those who aren't going to give back to me. Will you confess to God today any areas in which your love has been lacking, and then claim His promise to multiply and to use and to raise up a godly seed in this place. He says, your children will be blessed. He says, you're going to live and multiply. And the Lord shall bless thee in the land where thou goest to possess. Back in verse 6, he said that he would multiply. He would multiply. He would circumcise the heart of our seed. And he would help them to, as they loved God with all their heart, that their soul would live. I believe God wants to multiply his church. If you believe that, would you say Amen. I believe God wants to multiply our families to reach people in a greater way. In the spiritual family, God wants to multiply the spiritual family. God wants there to be growth. God wants there to be an increase. And He wants us to expand. And you say, well, I can't do this, I can't do that. He's not asking you to say, I can't. He's asking you to say, Lord, would you use me one more time? And I was getting a few messages this week, great messages of people giving these tracts out, and they were well-received, and you say, I just can't do it. Well, if I, don't, if I let my flesh take control, I can't do it either. There was a guy at Price Chopper who really liked this one. All right? He took it. He took it. He was excited about it. And uh, look, surviving the great pandemic. Get one of these and give it out to somebody. And uh, you can take them the gospel right here in a nutshell. And this is a great piece, and it meets them right where they're at. I don't think there's been a better time to give somebody a gospel tract than right now or the time of 9-11 when this right here is so practical, grows right, speaks right to the need, gets right in to the great pandemic. And by the way, it ain't a virus. It's a sin. It's the curse of sin that's come upon all men, and the tract deals with it all, and it's a tremendous tract. I like how he bridges right to the topic and right into the gospel, and it's an excellent, excellent way to be a witness. God wants to multiply, and you say, how can I multiply? Well, you've got to sow some seed, all right? We've got to sow some seed. Something great about the garden, okay? There's some volunteers that come up. Every year, there's volunteers. You say, where do the volunteers come from? This year we had tomato plants everywhere. They were growing in the corn. They were growing in the watermelons. 
because those tomatoes fell and those things just multiplied. That seed got in the ground. When we tilled it in a couple of times, and that seed was growing up, we had these little tiny ones we planted inside, put those things out, and they died. But yet these little volunteers came up and they grew. The seed was in the ground. And you might think, you know what, I was investing in somebody, I tried to reach somebody, and it didn't work. Don't give up. The seed is in the ground if you plant it. And let the Lord bring the increase. We must take this promise to the bank and confess the areas in which we have not loved the Lord. And when we love the Lord, we will love others. We will love others because that's part of the great command in Matthew and chapter 5. If you would go back there and we will finish there today in Matthew chapter 5. Um, this text is just great. Matthew chapter 5. And look in verse 43. Matthew 5 and verse 43. Have you all figured something out? By the way, it's great to have one first time with us today. I get excited when people come back to church. I get excited when visitors come to church. And you notice it changes the way I preach. All right? You say, what? Why is that? Because I get excited when you invite your friends to Jesus because God is using your invitation to bring somebody in. And if you came back and you're visiting back, that's awesome. And God's bringing people back. I get excited about that. Why? Because it means God's doing something, okay? And uh, he's just using the, the simple word of God to do something in our hearts. And we ought to give him great glory for that. And we ought to get fired up and excited about that and say, Lord, would you use me to bring somebody to Jesus Christ? You, you want the sermon to be deeper. You want the sermon to be stronger. Bring a visitor, my friend. And it's been said, okay? If you ever have a preacher that gets all dull and dusty, okay? And you just feel like he's all burned out and you ain't getting fed. There's two things you can do to fix that, all right? Number one, give him a word of encouragement. Number two, bring a visitor, okay? And come in and sit on the edge of your seat just like, I just can't wait to hear what he's going to say. And God, God will do something in that preacher's heart, and that you'll all of a sudden notice the sermons will change. And I read an article about uh, Harold Vaughn about that. And uh, how, you know, often I've sat in church before, and if I be honest, I kind of sat there like a little bump on a log, and I was like, preacher, give me some good meat today. And if I would have just sat on the edge of my seat with expectancy, I probably would have changed the entire atmosphere in the building. Uh, and you guys have been awesome today in that regard. Matthew in chapter 5, he says, Ye shall, you've heard that been said, ye shall love thy neighbor and hate thy enemy. Then he says, what do I want you to do? I want you to love your enemies. God's purifying our motives today. He wants us to multiply. And today we need to ask the Lord, Lord, give me a strange kind of love to love those who have rejected me. Those who have not returned my text messages. Those who have not returned my phone calls. Those who have not shown me love in return. Keep giving love back. Don't be like the Pharisee. And uh, instead, be like the publican. Lord, would you just use me? Lord, I'm nothing. Lord, would you use me today? Lord, would you help me to be a blessing to somebody else? Would you help me to think about somebody else? I'm so thankful for the love of Calvary. That Christ died for our sins. That he was buried. And that he rose again the third day. He loved us as sinners and he died to set us free. He, he gave us deliverance from the curse of sin. I hope today you've been redeemed. If you've not yet been redeemed, you need to be redeemed. You say, I don't know if I've been redeemed. Then you need to be redeemed. And the Bible says that there is one that is born of the flesh. The, that, is, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. I believe honestly, if we be, if we be open and honest, 
often why we struggle in our walk with God is because maybe we haven't settled the fact that we're saved yet. And we aren't sure. We haven't yet got to a place where Jesus is our all in all. We haven't yet got to a place where we're willing to lay down our cross, uh, lay, down, lay, down and take up, lay down our rights and take up our cross and daily follow Him. We haven't got to that place and we're living a life for ourselves and we still need to come to a place where we say, Lord, I'm going to love you more than I love my family. I'm going to love you more than I love anything else. Lord, I'm going to love you first because you loved me. You loved me. If you don't today, if you don't, today, uh, if you don't know Jesus, today is the day to call upon him. Today is the day to ask him for salvation. I love what the Bible says in John. But as many as received him, to them gave he power, he says, to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Power to love. Power to forgive. I believe love is connected to forgiveness. Would you ask God today to give you a strange kind of love? You say, uh, there's a way I'm already loving. That's great. It's great that we're already loving in certain areas. But may we ask God to help us. Lord, would you love? help me to love in a different area? Help me to take it outside of my comfort zone. And Lord, help me not to just to love those that give me back something. But instead, to love and to give blessings to those who bring cursings. To give joy to those who bring sorrow. To give encouragement to those who bring discouragement. To be a channel of God's love. For if you love them which love you, verse 46 says, What reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same. If ye salute your brethren only, what more do ye than others? Do not even the publicans so? So I'm just going to say hi to those people I know, and I'm not going to greet the others. I encourage you to step out of your comfort zone, and right now you might say hi to somebody, and they might not look back at you, okay, because they got a mask on, and they're all hiding there, and they're just, they're afraid maybe. And you might say, say something kind to them. You might try to get their attention. There's been several people I've tried to greet and say hi to, and they couldn't hear me. They, they're, they're clued out, okay? They're zoned out. But don't let that discourage you. Just keep sharing the love of Jesus Christ. Keep sharing the hope of Jesus Christ. Keep telling somebody about Jesus Christ. Let God use you to bring multiplication. And that the love of God might cause us to multiply and flourish in this place. Being purified. It's purifying our motives. The reason why we do what we do. We can't do it for selfish motives. We have to do it out of a pure heart and love unfeigned for the brethren. May the Lord help us with this this morning. If you would stand together for a time of prayer. Let's join together and ask the Lord... To help us to reach one more soul. To help us to tell somebody else about Jesus Christ. To help us to share the love that we have received. We want love. But are we giving the love back? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You say I already got the everlasting life. Who will be in the kingdom of heaven because of you? Where's the fruit? Let us ask God, Lord, would you help me to multiply, to share that love of Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ, with somebody else, and to give love to my brothers and sisters in Christ, and to give love to the strangers around me, the people that are different than me, to give them the love of Christ. May God help us in this area this morning. Let's bow for prayer right now and respond to the Lord. Maybe right there where you're at and with our heads bowed and eyes closed, you just say, you know what, Pastor, pray for me. I'm, I'm, I'm with you, I would just say, you know what, I'm struggling in this area of really having this strange love, this deep love. And I'm going to love 
even the stranger. And I'm going to ask God to help me to multiply. I'm going to ask God to help me to purify my motives. And maybe this morning you don't even know all the areas. You just know you need to work on this. And with me, you'd be honest and you'd say, you know what? I need to work on my biblical love. And if that's you with me this morning, would you lift your hand and just say, would you pray for me, Pastor? God bless you. Anyone else, pray for me that God would help me with this kind of love. Amen. And uh, let's, be, let's just be open before the Holy Spirit of God this morning. And uh, I think we get to a place in our hearts where we've been saved, but my friend, we've become stagnant. We've become stagnant. Is there a deeper love or has the love gone cold? Would you ask the Lord that question this morning? As we pray, is there a deeper love, Lord, or has my love gone cold? Lord, help me to deepen my love towards you and towards others. Would you take a time right now where you're at to respond to the Lord? As the piano begins to play, we're going to close out the live stream at this time. And we're going to ask you to take a moment right where you're at to respond to the Lord. If you'd like to come forward, you're welcome to pray up front. You want to pray in your seat, you're welcome to do that. But let's take a moment to meet with the Lord right now. Lord, would you purify my love? Lord, would you help me to grow in my love towards you and towards others? Let's ask God to help us with that right now.